to another edition of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And today we watched Witching and Bitching. This was a Spanish film. Craig, you recommended it today. Uh, you had seen it before. I hadn't seen it at all. How did you stumble across this? I don't remember. I think that I had read about it on uh, Fangoria or, or something. Uh, and then as soon as it popped up on Netflix, the uh, cover image is uh, pretty eye-catching. But I put off watching it for a while just because it's subtitled. And often when I you know, put on these Netflix movies, I'm kind of doing other things. But this one you know, requires your full attention unless you're fluent in Spanish. Um, so when I finally got around to it, I uh, was, was really pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, it is an eye-catching title. It's got that uh, woman on the front and... Uh... Right. I hadn't heard of it ever before. Um, it's what, a two-year-old film? I, uh, I think that it started uh, circulating around 2013, and it did some festivals. It was one of the midnight selections at the Toronto Film Festival, and it ended up actually winning an award uh, there. And then I think it still kind of went around festivals for a while before it got kind of a wide video distribution here in the States. Well, I got to say, it was crazy film. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, fun, though. These are the kind of films that sometimes only a foreign film will go this far. You know, I was actually thinking of that uh, Norwegian film about the evil Santa Claus. Yeah. What was that one? Oh, Saint, gosh. Uh, Saint Nick? Was that what it was? Yeah, it was Saint. I think it was actually Saint Nick in English. Um, obviously, in Norwegian, it was something different. Right. It had a similar feel to it in that it was kind of crazy, kind of madcap, uh, really well um, filmed, well lit. I mean, great makeup, great acting, like everything about it. But it just went all over the place and right. was unabashed sort of in its zaniness. It, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I liked about it. It's crazy. And it's, you know, we've watched so many horror movies together. The both of us, you know, individually have seen so many. It's kind of rare that you find something that stands out as being truly unique. I mean, of course, witches, you know, that's, that's not anything new. But uh, this takes just a really fun, interesting spin on it. And it goes lots of places. It's almost a full two hours, but it doesn't feel like it. It's, no. it's, it's fast-paced. There's always stuff going on. Like you said, uh, the production value is great. I have no idea what the budget for this was, but it seemed like it must have been pretty big. It had to be huge. Yeah. I mean, the, the locations were great, um, the the actors, and the, the scenery. Uh, and some of it had to be... I mean, we're talking countryside, we're talking large caves. Uh -huh. um, clearly stuff that probably wasn't as... Well, I don't know. I can't assume that it wasn't built in a sound studio, but like the cave scene at the end. Right. Just, insane. I'm looking at all those steps and I'm thinking somebody had to build those. <laughs> or or that has to be some kind of landmark or something exactly. that they were allowed to film in or something because it's just such, you know, so large in scope and it looked real. It didn't look like a set. Um, so I'm, and, and like you said, there's uh, a big kind of spooky mansion that seems to go on forever. I mean, there's just these huge, amazing set pieces. The lighting is cool. All kinds of different tones of, of warm and cold. And we paused at one point to take a potty break. And uh, just the image on the screen was, was a really cool image to see and you know even pause i mean the the cinematography is is really strong yeah this is the kind of um film where it does it feels like you could take any frame from it and it's just beautifully composed oh yeah you could hang it on your wall like yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really cool picture well the movie started out in a, in a familiar place for me because a couple years ago i actually got to go to spain and we went to madrid and uh there's a very famous statue in a particular plaza toward the center of, of Madrid, and it's of a bear eating strawberries from a, a strawberry bush. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. it was, it's interesting, and it starts out right there in that plaza with a woman sort of talking about the end of the world and the apocalypse in front of this thing. Right, one of those doomsday preacher kind of ladies. Yeah. Es instaurar el poder pagano. 
In the meantime, walking around her, again, just totally brought back memories, all these different characters, sort of like New York Times Square, uh -huh. where people dress up as Mickey or Minnie. Right, or the Las Vegas Strip, where you've got all those sad, like, street performers, like, drunk on the corner, you know? That's kinda. right. <clears throat> and, and you're supposed to, like, pay the money to take picture with, like, uh -huh. this SpongeBob or something like that. <laughs> like this off-brand SpongeBob, right? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's, it was, uh, was it Plaza del Sol? Is that, was that? I believe was? so, yes. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's this really crowded uh, plaza, and, and the movie starts out kind of like a heist uh, film, and, and it, you know, plays that really well. I mean, it's a good heist scene there in the beginning. As it turns out, you know, you've got we don't find this out immediately, of course, but you've got a, a Jesus street performer, completely, you know, uh, spray painted head to toe in silver. You've got uh, the green plastic army man, head to toe green, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, Minnie Mouse. Uh, gosh, I don't even remember several of uh, an invisible like man type yeah. guy. And as it turns out, these are all guys who have conspired to rob this store in this uh, plaza because they all have financial problems stemming largely from their trouble with women. Yes. Um, and so it's this big heist. And the funny thing I was telling you earlier was that uh, this this whole plaza is so crowded, they there was no way that in production they could clear it. I mean, I imagine they had to get permits to shoot there, mm -hmm. and, but the, the people, the bustling people you see around are just citizens, and, and they kind of just filmed it guerrilla style. I mean, that, that store, the store that they actually buy, or uh, rob, is uh, an actual store that they just used the storefront, and they asked permission to use the interior. And, wow. Um, so so uh, I can only imagine that technically that would have been a nightmare, but it came off so good. I mean, oh, it's, it's really right. exciting. It's like goofy from the beginning. It's it's like anytime you take uh, all these characters, really, they just seem like characters yeah. that are robbing the store. It kind of sets the tone without a word being spoken. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's just some really funny moments in there. Of course, Jesus is the one who's holding up the gun. Right, that he pulls him, out of his crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> telling everybody to clear out, um, blasting him away. And then, of course, they rob this gold store and in the process the police uh, things don't go well and uh -huh. the police kind of show up on the scene with guns and they end up shooting Spongebob squarepants <laughs> you see Spongebob squarepants like getting riddled with bullets uh, and then, and then as the other characters are running by you see Patrick <laughs> Spongebob's friend like leaning over him like no <laughs> just really funny and really it's it does it sets it up from the beginning it's it's cartoon like and it's mm -hmm. cartoon like throughout the rest of the the film it, but in a great way yes <clears> yes <throat> and it doesn't really let up and sometimes those movies that don't really let up are exhausting uh -huh. to watch and somehow this one just had the right amount of pacing i when i was listening and after a while, I realized, is there a second in this movie without music behind it? I don't know. There's a there's a lot of music, uh, and it's good. It's really atmospheric. I was thinking, you know, this. there are so many different scenes. I mean, it's going to be difficult for us to do any kind of recap that will do it justice because it just moves from one uh, scene to the next. But there's um, a big feast scene with the witches uh, in, in this big spooky mansion, and there's a lot of cool atmospheric stuff going on there. And then at the end, where there's this big witches' Sabbath in the cave that we were talking about, there's this kind of primal, rhythmic music, um, and it really sets the atmosphere. And I was thinking, you know, this would be great. This would be a great soundtrack to have. You pop this in on Halloween night, Mm -hmm. uh, and just let it roll for your for your trick or treaters. And oh stuff. yeah, without any fun. of the, the the dialogue right. or anything over yeah. it, it would just it would just roll. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they they end up um, 
one of the funnier parts I thought was this uh, sort of comic relief. Of course, when they start out, it, it it's got this witty banter back and forth. There, it's one of those movies where people are joking with each other, even in the midst of pure chaos and running from the cops and oh, guns yeah. and things being done. There's a lot of uh, back and forth, a lot of really fast talking, a yeah. lot of witty banter, banter. about uh-huh. about um, pedestrian type things in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems to be really aware of what it's wanting to be. I mean, it it's as much a comedy as anything else. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's laugh out loud funny, and and there's jokes, there's just witty banter. Sometimes it's just the juxtaposition of these kind of mundane things that they're talking about in these extreme circumstances that just it's so out of place uh, that it's just funny on its own. When they uh, hijack the taxi cab, which unbeknownst to them until, you know, they're going down the road, has a a passenger in it as well. And they're going along. This passenger just keeps saying, uh, I want to go to, where's the place he wants Uh, to go? Badojas? Badojas? Something like that. Something like that. He just wants to go to Badojas. That's where he wants to go. And that keeps coming up through the film (laughs) to an almost comic extent. (laughs) To the point where at the end, this poor guy, it's so funny. You know, they, they, the guys who are, who hijacked the store, their, their getaway car doesn't work out. So they hijack this, uh, taxi Taxi. cab. And eventually, you know, the taxi cab driver kind of joins their little group. But this passenger guy just goes, through all of this terrible beating. <laughs> I mean, they, they strip him down, they tie him up, they put him in They're the... They're tired of hearing him bitch, and right. so they just put him in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> and from the trunk, he's, you know, shout, you mother, you bastards! Uh, and then as soon as they open, oh, thank you, thank you, please, I'm so sorry, let me out, let me out. <clears throat> just shut it back they down. just shut it them. back down again. It's hilarious. And then when, so they, you know, they're trying to flee. They want to get to the border uh, of France, but on the way there, they uh, have to cross through this village, and I know I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, where is it? Zagaramurdi. Uh, Let's just call it the village from now on. The village, so right? Yeah. And one, the taxi cab driver doesn't want to go through there because he has read that this is, you know, like kind of the central locale for witchcraft in Europe and maybe even the world. And uh, he's heard all, all kinds of scary things. And of course, that sets it up. As soon as they get there, it's this creepy European village. Um, and uh, they stop to get something to eat. And obviously, the citizens there are very shady. The woman behind the bar is very witchy looking. Um, they, they run into all kinds of strange stuff in here. And then it's it's just total madcap from then on. I it mean, really they, is. They, they are they end up somehow going to this uh, big mansion uh, where the central witch family lives, and like I said, that set piece is is awesome. And and then it's just it's kind of a, a cat and mouse kind of a I don't even know how to explain it. You right. know, just this chase through a haunted house for the next forty five minutes or so. It really is. It really is. And on their way there, they bond over their mutual trouble with women basically and that really sets up one of the themes of the film yeah is, is when they're going and the taxi driver is sort of like you know what I, I kind of respect you guys because you're kind of doing what you want to do and, and and they're talking about he sees the problem between the son and i believe his name was sergio yeah, boy. we forgot to mention that. The, oh, yeah, the, it's a big deal. The main guy, the, the Jesus guy, has his son with him on this heist, which obviously, you know, seems very much out of place, but he explains it's because he only has joint custody and he's not going to miss his day, uh, <laughs> even if it's this day. And the whole thing, every man in the movie 
bitches and complains about problems with women. And then so obviously the witches are kind of established as kind of a metaphor for women in general, which is, you know, a, a totally <laughs> man kind of uh, perspective on things. But it's funny. Well, it's very, you know, it's that macho, the Spain macho. It's yeah. sort of like taking that and throwing it on its head. It's bringing some macho women into the mix saying, oh, you have trouble with these women. Well, let's get some women in here who really, you know, can do their stuff. When they're talking in the car and they finally, the cab driver's like, you know what, consider me part of your gang uh-huh. uh, because I'm, darn it, I'm have trouble with my woman too and all this. And they talk about the rings that they stole from the gold yeah. place. Yeah, it was like a we buy gold place that they robbed and what they, their stash is this whole big duffel bag full of wedding rings. Wedding rings, yeah. And it's, uh, again, part of that deal. They're saying, and, and somebody brings it up and says, well, these rings are sort of representative of all these broken marriages, all of these broken relationships and promises not kept isn't that bad luck? Yeah, bad mojo, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as it turns out, it is. The witches are actually able to draw from that power, from all the misery, from these failed relationships and whatnot. So it's just kind of a a, a nice coincidence for the for the witch coming. <clears throat> yeah, and so they go, they 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 leave this inn and uh, try to drive through this town and end up accidentally hitting one of the witches in the road. Uh, and then she sort of flies off, right? And uh, they don't really see it happen, and so they continue, and they meet her her um, daughter. Daughter later down the road tries to convince them to come out to this mansion, and again they're playing with this feminine feminine thing, which is like, oh, well, would you would you let me come? It's it's only so far. And they're like, no, no, we really need to go. They're kind of creeped out by her too. Yeah, like, oh no, I think we really need to go. And she's like, okay, well that's fine. She kind of turns around and waits, and then the next and moment slyly <laughs> smiles at the camera, right? <laughs> and then the next moment of course there she is in the car and right they, they're taking her to this mansion and um she brings them in and the mansion itself is sort of i, I said while we were watching it almost like scooby-doo yeah you know? oh definitely uh, absolutely all these long corridors and all these passages they could secret just... passages uh, secret doors you know bookshelves swinging out to reveal secret passageways and stuff and the, every room is like in a different style there's like uh-huh. a renaissance room there's the really long dining room with the big chandeliers yeah. and then the whole part of it almost looks like a cathedral right with has an altar in it and stuff like that and then you're right then you're going through like the study and stuff it's it's sort of your prototypical haunted house mansion that all these witches live in and they're inviting all of their witch friends over right. to have a feast and the feast is, is of course these guys right and it's it's a, a witch's sabbath and and their goal is that they want to resurrect this ancient witch goddess who then uh, they will make a sacrifice to in the form of the son, the young boy, Sergio. And then that son is supposed to be reborn of this uh, Messiah witch, and then the tides are going to turn. It's no longer going to be a man's world. It's going to be a woman's world. They're going to take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, The way it was always supposed to be. The way it was always supposed to be, right? Right, right. And so they're all tied up to those chairs, which to me was one of the funniest sequences. In the dining room, right. It's this beautiful dining room with this huge long table, chandeliers above, and all these, you know, our, our taxi cab guys, the driver, the dad, whose name is Jose, um, the guy who was the uh, green soldier, uh, who his name is Tony, Tony, and the driver, Manuel, and then also the Badejos guy, the inadvertent passenger, you know. The, That's right. <laughs> they're all tied up there waiting for these witches to come. And the poor passengers across the, the sitting across from them, and of course these witches are... It has to be said, it, they've sort of taken the storybook witches mm-hmm. 
and they have uh, said this is they've just committed to that fully. Yeah, these are witches who like put kids in ovens, right, and have uh, jars full of snakes and bat, you know, bats. and drink frogs' blood and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so they're they're just uh, casually talking. One of them's walking on the ceiling, uh-huh. talking on her <laughs> cell phone, <laughs> talking to the other witches. You know, what are they going to bring to the feast? You, you bring ice, and you know, <laughs> that's right. It's very casual. You know, come on over. We're and uh, and one of the key characters um, that they meet here is. Uh, Oh, the young people. That's Eva. 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 And she is... Okay, so you've got kind of these three generations of witches. The one, the one that they ran into at the bar ends up being the grandmother. And she looks kind of stereotypical witchy with kind of the rough, long gray hair and the wrinkled face. Um, but I really like the way that they did the look of the rest of the witches. You know, they were more kind of like society ladies mm-hmm. um, for the most part. But then you have Eva. So then you've got the grandmother and then uh, the mother who is now kind of, um, the I, I guess, the head witch. And her name's uh, Gracia. Uh, and then her daughter is Eva, and she's kind of like the hot punk uh, witch. Like half of her head is shaved on the right. side. She's got that long hair. It's very beautiful. I, I read that this uh, this woman is is the filmmaker, the director's muse actress, uh, and he's used her before and, and is inspired by her. I'm not surprised. She's oh, gorgeous. She's beautiful, beautiful She's beautiful, woman. and she's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Just gosh. really dynamic, full of energy, and she can play both that really... But she has that look, and of course, probably part, part of its makeup and everything like that, but she has that look where she's kind of scary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think she's got kind of like some violet contacts in, really intense. Uh, and she plays it. I mean, she just goes for it. You know, there's no reservation. There's no holding back. Um, and it, it's funny because she she's a witch and, you know, she's got witchy powers and whatnot. But she kind of becomes smitten with um, our main character, Jose, and then immediately turns into that crazy stalker girlfriend <laughs> who you just met and is desperately in love with you and wants every minute of your attention and it's hilarious it is hilarious um <laughs> the, the the scenes where suddenly uh, they end up breaking free and they're going through the mansion and she suddenly diverts him through a secret passage and says uh and the witches are chasing everybody right she diverts a uh, jose through a secret passage and says all right you go down the hall here take a bunch of lefts then take a right and go down and blah 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 i'll meet you there and then they have really in the midst of this madcap uh, chase scene, this very domestic argument. Yeah. Uh, this little, this like girlfriend, boyfriend sort of thing where he's like, but what about the others? And she says, well, you'd rather be with your friends than me? Yeah. And then he's like, well, okay, you but, know, maybe but, I can do without the friends, but what about my son? Wait a second, are you saying you're not, I'm not the most important thing in your life? <laughs> turns around and she's angry and of course she's stirring up all kinds of leaves and things right, in the wind. So her the... hair is blowing in the wind and her eyes are really intense. It's Which is funny because he's being completely rational and, and you can tell <laughs> and trying, not even rational but trying to appease her. Oh no sweetie I love you. <laughs> I love you but but don't you understand how I might want my son? <sighs> yeah so that doesn't end up working too well um, and but she in anger just sort of um Flips back. And convulses. Oh, he kisses her. Yeah. He kisses her, and that causes her to convulse um, and fall back. And It gives him an opportunity to escape. That's and, right. and run around and get chased around a little bit more. And meet, you know, some more interesting characters. Um, she has a brother who 
it, from the sister Eva, from her first introduction, you know, she's just kind of casually talking about her home and the family. She's showing the guys around. This is before they know that they're witches. And she says something about her brother. And, and one of the characters says, oh, you have a brother? And, and uh, she says, yeah, mom has him locked up and in chains. Uh, and Jose, the dad, says, well, that's the only way you can get him to do your homework. <laughs> get him to do their homework. I totally understand. As it turns out, of course, this poor brother is actually locked up in, like, these catacombs underneath. Uh, and he just... He's a funny character. He's played for comic relief, but he's just grotesque. He's yes. been in these catacombs for like 15 years. His skin is literally f- like fl- uh, hanging off, like it's flayed off. It's gross. It's disgusting. But then he's kind of this cute, simpleton kind of character. <laughs> kind of very nice. Yeah, really friendly and helpful. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> he's kind of like, oh, okay. You know, um, eventually, Jose did manage to get all these keys off of the, the Mother Witch, and uh, he finds one of them to unlock uh, Jose's ch- shackle and he just sort of follows him. He's like, okay, I'll show you the way under the cemetery to this cave where this ritual is going Uh to take place. And he's exposition man, tells him about the sun, uh, that they're going to sacrifice the sun and he's going to get eaten. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, won't that kill him? And he says, well, you know, the same thing happened to me. And I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to look at him. Yeah, if that's a picture of all right. (laughs) Really skinny guy, skinny arms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, pretty grotesque but super friendly right <laughs> funny stuff yeah. and then they get you know it all culminates at this big uh witch's sabbath and it really is large i mean it's large scale you've got tons of extras in uh you know different kinds of witch attire you see some catholic nun witches and um <laughs> some kind of biker witches and then you've just got your kind of you know ladies who who lunch witches and but they're all together in this place in this huge cave uh and they're they're preparing for their ritual, and they're going to summon this goddess. Yeah, and and it, and I mean the borderline, the the ridiculous we're talking about is you know they have a giant table set yeah. and this huge plate, <laughs> and this guy is carrying in a giant fork and a giant spoon uh-huh. up to this giant plate, you know, and finally they bring the little boy in. It actually reminded me a lot of those um, old school. I don't mean seventies. Um, I mean like twenties and thirties sort of uh, cannibal movies. You know, or the woman's going to be sacrificed into the lava. Yeah, I know what uh, you mean. Almost like an Indiana Jones Temple of Doom kind of thing. Exactly. They're all sort of chanting, Uh and there's a big fire going, and there's this sort of almost comically giant... Like you might see in one of those old movies, a giant pot that the two explorers are cooking in, you know, and and things. Well, and you do... All the other guys, these unfortunate guys who ended up there, they're all tied up on these big posts around a fire, I I guess maybe to be sacrificed later, uh, but then... (laughs) You know, they're all tied to these stakes around a fire and they're having this silly, silly banter between one another. Of course, you know, for them, it's very serious. They're in their last moments. But for us as viewers, the things that they're talking about are are just... There. Yeah. Again, it's incongruous to the situation. Yeah. They should be screaming and moaning, and instead they're having these sort of domestic disputes yeah. again. Uh, it's really funny. And and that, to me, actually was a point. It was well-paced in that moment, because as soon as that scene is sort of set, we get almost a musical number. <laughs> Where there's some chanting going on, and it's in a, it's not in Spanish, it's not in English, it's just totally uh-huh. you know witch language or whatever, and uh, we're getting swooping views of the witches and of things going on, and it actually does a really good job, I thought, of bringing the movie back down to earth 
and setting a sinister tone again. Mm -hmm. It takes a good five minutes or so, um, but it's enthralling, and it suddenly you do start to feel, okay, this is creepy again. Yeah. This is weird, and someone's going to get sacrificed, and... Uh, you know, the silliness fades away for a little bit. And oh, I thought yeah. I thought that was a really good moment, you know, on the part of the filmmakers to actually give you a break and bring it down to scary. Uh, otherwise, you know, you just get so wrapped up in the action that nothing, your pathos is sort of gone. Yeah. You know? And this, I thought, did a really good job of setting that pathos again. It was very creepy. It was. And, and, and the, the main... Uh, witch, Grassi. <clears throat> she's, I guess, kind of the coven leader having taken over for her mom. Um, she's very well put together. She's kind of in a nice kind of business casual suit with her hair very, you know, quaffed and done. And then in this scene, she takes off her wig to reveal her long witchy hair. Um, and she's in, you know, kind of a priestess robes. And it does become, you know, that they're planning on sacrificing this little boy who is, you know, he's this kind of cute little rambunctious little boy throughout kind of maybe a little obnoxious from time to time, but I think mm -hmm. he's supposed to be, but you know, you don't want him to die. <laughs> right, exactly. So it does kind of bring the tone back to kind of a dark place again. And then um, out comes after all this chanting and stuff, um, we finally see this goddess figure come stomping in. A very large CGI creature. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, I said to Craig, uh, this is like the world's nastiest Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> And it is pretty nasty to look at. I mean, it's it's this very large, rotund, <laughs> naked, dirty witch, and of course it's CGI, and she's she's wearing um, some kind of woven looks like, like a basket on her head. Yeah, almost. like a mask of, of like a blinding mask or something. I don't know. And you mentioned the CGI. They they do make fairly ample use of CGI in here, but I, I felt like it it didn't pull me out. No. Uh, the the thing with this big witch at the end. It could have very easily played silly and fake. And it is silly in that it's supposed to be, but it's also grotesque. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, the other CGI, it's there, but I think that it's fairly limited and it's executed really well. I'm yeah. thinking of um, at that dinner scene that we were talking about before, eventually... Uh, the guys kind of get free and then they battle these witches and they're they're hitting them with chairs and, and guns and all kinds of things and you see these sprays of blood and it's clearly CGI but it's fairly minimal and I thought it was good I mean I you oh, see yeah. so many CGI movies that it, it just seems cheap and fake and pulls no, you right out not at all and even the giant uh, goddess witch didn't look uh, ch cheesy and fake it was obviously CGI right. but it was well done it was I well thought. done and yeah. I thought that they integrated the CGI with the live action oh, really well beautifully um, she you know she comes in she comes and sits down at this <laughs> ludicrously oversized and when we say giant I mean, we, we mean giant as she comes in she's blindfolded she's stepping on some of these witches she lifts up her foot to take her next step, and you see the witch squished in the bottom of her of her foot. Um, so she sits down at the table uh, for her meal, and uh, and she picks up the boy. And the idea was that it's basically the boy experiences a rebirth. Yeah, she swallows him whole, and then he just gets crapped out the bottom <laughs> almost immediately. Yeah, uh, they pull him out. He's all red and disgusting. And uh, this is boy is going to be sort of their their Trojan horse, as they call him. He's he's now androgynous, mm -hmm. and uh, he has these powers, and uh, he is going to be the man, I guess, that rises up to in a man's them. world right. to lead them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, of course. Uh, at this point, Eva decides that she is going to help Jose after all. For reasons I'm not entirely clear of, 
is it just her sort of love for Jose and the fact that the witches ended up tying her up and, and putting her away once they found that out, that she decides she wants to turn on, on basically her whole reason for existence? I thought that it was both. I thought that, you know, she immediately had this attraction for this guy. And from the very beginning, you know, she at first she's kind of playing with him, toying with him, cat and mouse. But then she becomes really kind of obsessively, you know, attached to him. Um, and uh, her mom and the other witches don't like that. They say, girls your age should be out doing drugs, getting fisted, you and, know. And banging but she you know she confesses that she has fallen in love with this guy and and the mom says with all the money we spent to send you to the worst schools and now now you tell us you're in love with this guy because he's a good person um and i guess as punishment they chain her up and put her in a coffin in the catacombs from which she eventually escapes uh thanks to jose thanks to jose and so i think that she is attached to him as is evidenced by the last scene which we'll talk about but also she's she was established from the beginning as kind of being a rebellious daughter. That's true. Um, and so uh, I think that part of it was rebelling against the authority of her mother as well. Maybe part of it too was a love for her brother, perhaps? Yeah. Because she did seem um, very distraught when he was uh, taken by the big witch. That kind of, that happens. And uh, he, an attempt to, to swallow him yet again. Uh, and uh, yeah, so she d- decides to help him out. And then there's a big battle between her and her mother, who is like the coven leader, and it's it's all very Matrix style, flying around, running up and down on walls, which again I thought looked as real as I've seen it yeah. elsewhere. Um, it was good. There were you know there were lots of flying effects. I could tell that some of them were done using wires, some of them were done uh, with CGI and other effects. But regardless of how it was accomplished, it looked good. And you know it brings to mind a point that. I think a lot of the characters in this movie were really throwaway characters. Mm-hmm. A lot of them turned out not to be very integral to the plot. The companions, you know, Tony, uh, we didn't even mention Alfonso and Jaime, who were the two cops that are sort of following them. Yeah, it's kind of a side story going on. The the, the little boy, uh, Sergio's mom, is kind of this shrewish, it's Jose's ex-wife, and uh, she uses her cell phone to track Jose's cell phone so she follows them to the village and the detectives who are looking for Jose follow her uh, and they've kind of got their own little side story going on which is goofy <laughs> and ties into the other thing but you're right I mean it's 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 very much on the side it probably could be excised from the film entirely and it wouldn't really change it that much yeah but it's funny I mean they've got oh, funny moments oh there's <clears> nothing <throat> wrong with that you know they're definitely there mostly as comic relief or just to have those moments yeah Tony even and Muriel you know the same way the driver and uh, the guy who is the green army man none of them really none of them really end up helping out no. to do the escape it's all jose uh, with the help of uh, eva. eva you know at the end and then after all of this uh, you know the ending is kind of abrupt eva says that she knows the weakness of this large beast mm-hmm. which is basically to take that basket thing off of her head i guess she does <laughs> And apparently that's enough, and the thing sort of falls down and stands up and is really angry. Stumbles away and just disappears, is gone. Yeah, and then the other witches start running. But I think it's when she breaks her mother's staff uh-huh. and kill, essentially killing her mother, I believe. Right. Or depriving it, her of her power or something. I mean, something, it, it yeah. looks, you're led to believe in, in those climactic scenes that both the grandmother and the mother 
are killed. The grandmother gets stepped on by the giant. The mother, Eva, takes her uh, staff and and breaks it, and it, it seemingly deprives her of her power. You know, they're up in the air fighting. Eva breaks the staff. The mother falls to the ground, and it pans in on her. She's bleeding from the nose. It, it looks like she's dead. Yeah, but she's not. She's not. Yeah, <clears throat> and 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 if I have any fault with this film, it is that the ending is a little unsatisfying and abrupt. Not to say it wasn't funny, and not to say that you know I didn't leave pretty happy with having watched it, but they just run out of the cave, and they're pursued by all the witches running out, and these witches with powers to fly and all this stuff, they just run, and then as they're running across the field, blackout, one month later, and here we are suddenly again, uh, just in a simple auditorium, Mm -hmm. all the witches are kind of there, like they've all made up or something, Um, Jose and uh, Eva are there sitting down, they're clearly a couple Mm -hmm. now. She's she's kind of scrubbed some of her bad girl image away. She's looking more domestic, like you know the the, the stepmom kind of figure. Mm-hmm. Jaime and uh, uh, Alfonso have gotten together. Uh, <laughs> the, you can see these other witches all you know sitting around uh, watching amongst normal people apparently yeah this is it looks like a school talent show or something it's it's sergio's uh school talent show and uh it's it's funny (laughs) his his talent is that uh he puts a girl in one of those boxes that you've seen a million times that they then shove the blades through uh and the dad kind of says i don't know if we should let him do this and Eva says oh he's not hurting anybody and then you see Sergio push these blades through and you hear the little girl inside screaming and you see blood, blood squirting, squirting out <laughs> and the kid opens the, the case and pulls out this torso and it's like squirting blood all over the audience people are screaming getting up running out of their seats meanwhile uh, Eva and Jose are sitting there proudly the doting parents and uh, the kid Sergio puts the girl back in the box pulls the blades out and she steps out still bloodied on on her clothes from the experience, but seemingly mostly okay. whole. <laughs> mostly whole. She kind of stumbles out, yeah. like pukes on the yeah. floor, and kind of stumbles away. That was a. It was a real Adams family moment. It right was. There. It was yeah. the, the very dark humor that the family sees as sort of normal. Oh, that's our boy. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. And then the way that we know that the mother and the grandmother aren't dead is it uh, pans to the back of the theater um, in a scene that kind of reminded me of the end of um, Death Becomes Her. Do you remember that? When, yes. Uh, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are sitting in the back, kind of veiled in, mm-hmm. in dark glasses and whatnot. Um, that's what the uh, Sergio's mom, who has been uh, converted to a witch and is part of the coven now, is sitting there with um, the the grandmother and uh, the mom, the the main witch, and um, they're just kind of watching from the back and saying, "They'll come back to us eventually. All this <laughs> happiness will will destroy them eventually, and they'll be back." And then they cackle wildly and. The end. Yeah. <clears throat> it's maybe one of the first movies in a while since uh, The Witches, mm-hmm. the Roald Dahl-based yeah. movie. Angelica Houston, great movie. Yeah, that just sort of treats the witchery sort of like the classic witchery mm-hmm. and uh, in- introduces the humor. Had, like I said, kind of has that Adams Family slash Scooby-Doo vibe to it. Um, is very comical. And uh, I enjoyed it. It was very different. Again, very different. Very different. And that's like I said. You know, it's it's nice when you come by. It's kind of like you know finding a diamond in the rough. It's uh, you kind of have to wade through 
some muck uh, every once in a while to, to find them. But when you do, or when I do, uh, I get really excited to share them with other people because uh, it's fun for me to see how other people respond. I was really a little bit nervous that you might not like it. And like, really? <laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't imagine why you wouldn't, but at the same time, like, if he doesn't, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to talk about. Your opinion of me right, would have been knocked I, out. I'm ready to gush, and uh, I thought it was stupid. <laughs> It is kind of stupid, but it embraces that. I just, I think it's so much fun. I'll, I'll watch it again. I know, you know, this is a, this is a definitely a repeat view. It is one. It's one you can definitely watch again. It's also another one you can sort of. It's one of those movies you can kind of pick up anywhere in the middle, pretty much, and not yeah. feel like you've missed anything. Uh, it just is not a very serious film. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. No, it, it's very tongue in cheek and intentionally so. <clears throat> but it has those interesting relationship themes, and of course, it plays that for laughs. It plays it for laughs in many of the usual ways, where we talk, where we see people bitching at each other and having these feuds over nothing, and in some sexist ways, you know, where women are are the ones who are sort of unreasonable. But at the same time, I you know, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if it was trying to make a feminist statement or if it was, you know, the opposite. Because all of the men in the movie talk about you know, the troubles, their troubles with the women. And of course, it's always the women's fault. You yes. know, the women are controlling, they're mm-hmm. manipulative, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But all of the men characters are oafs, you know, like they, they, they just blunder through their entire existence. Um, the women are the ones who exhibit power and force and, you know, maybe <laughs> they're seen as manipulative and, uh, controlling because they are smart and tough. And so yeah, I, I couldn't tell what the intended message was. I didn't really care. Well, I think fun. I think more than anything, maybe knocking the men down a few pegs. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about that scene where they're sort of split up and they're going through the catacombs and Tony and Muriel um, are walking through and uh, they have just escaped this huge chase scene and they're really patting each other on the back and they're going, man, I feel so great. Don't you feel, yeah, man, that's the kind of stuff we need to be doing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, show those women, you know, how we are. We're men, blah, blah, blah. Then they end up at this dark spot and they flip on their lights and to see where they're going and it comes across a whole lineup of the witches uh-huh. facing them. And uh, the guy immediately is like, Please don't hurt Please me. Don't hurt us. We're sorry. <laughs> well, and and ultimately, it's Eva who has to save the day. Exactly. I mean, Jose can't do it on his own. I mean, he he aids her, but really, you know, she's the one that takes the reins and 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 saves you know saves everybody's behinds. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a message in there somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if you're really looking for one, I guess it didn't need it, but nah. yeah. <laughs> nah. You know, this is one of those things where you're gonna have to uh, be committed to to paying attention because you're gonna have to read the subtitles unless there's probably a dub out there but i i hate dubs and, and these these actors their performances are strong i can barely understand them with my you know elementary spanish from college 15 years ago but the, still their performance is strong you, you can see uh the emotion and, and what they're playing so i would really recommend watching it with the subtitles um it's worth it it is and you know that's one thing that when you've watched enough movies with subtitles it's interesting how you can take the words that are coming out of their mouth, and even though you don't understand them, you put the words at the bottom of the screen mentally in their mouths, and it's funnier. Yeah. Because their performance adds a tone to what you're reading at the bottom that you can totally get. And so, yeah, you absolutely need to watch this with the subtitles. It's a good one. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you again for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, please share it with your friends. Please check out our other ones on our website. 
And uh, we will see you again next week. This is Todd. And this is Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. 